Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It? A podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rood. NBA playoffs are in full swing, and though we are technically a Lakers podcast, uh, we will not be talking any Lakers basketball because there are zero Los Angeles teams playing in the postseason, um, (laughs) which is weird, but at least from a Lakers fan perspective, it's been nice because I've been able to watch like fun basketball teams, which the Lakers were not like part of me is, is watching these playoffs and thinking like, man, I really wish I had a rooting interest because the postseason is just more fun in any sport when you have a rooting interest. But the other half of me is like, okay, maybe the Lakers get out of the playing tournament. Maybe with the roster that they have the Pelicans played the Suns on Sunday and that series is going to be a sweep. And I think the Pelicans are a more well-rounded roster than the Lakers, even though as a whole, I think, or I'm sorry, the, the most talented players on the Pelicans and Lakers uh, are LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, I, I don't think it's close, but. Like the Pelicans play defense and the Suns scored 110 points on them (laughs) on Sunday. So I think they would have reached like all-star game numbers against the Lakers. Uh, But before we get into that game or any other game, how have you enjoyed the postseason so far? It technically only started yesterday, but uh, we haven't spoken since the play-in games. And I thought those were lots of fun. I don't know why the NBA insists on like not making the playing games part of the postseason. It's some weird hill that they want to die on for some reason. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, the playing the playing games were fun. The, that Pelicans Clippers game was wild. Um, it watching not just the playing games, but the the games the last two days this weekend just kind of solidified how far behind the Lakers were this year. Like they, this <laughs> there's a level that these games are being played at that the Lakers very rarely got to this season, if at all. And it just kind of reconfirmed that this wasn't a playoff team. It, it's also, I mean, there's a lot of aspects. It's frustrating. We'll talk about various games today, but like, they had a playoff. They had a very good playoff team and they just blew it up because they really wanted a third star. And seeing like Alex Caruso is always going to hurt. Just seeing him do Alex Caruso things in that Bucks um, Bulls game. And like, I don't know, there, there's various games where it's like watching some of that heat game where it's like, two main guys, but then everybody else can contribute in their roles and stuff. It's just so frustrating to see those teams and then see what the Lakers had and what they became. So in that sense, I I agree with you. It's been fun watching uh, these playoffs 
just as kind of a neutral fan and just getting to watch good basketball because that was not something we were treated to very often this season. The weird thing I saw during that uh, Pelicans-Clippers game and in the game that um, preceded that with Clippers-Timberwolves was a lot of people doing like this thing with the Lakers young core because uh, they're most of them are having like a really good postseason. D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr. Um, and then Alex Caruso on Sunday night was pretty dope. And I, I think he's the exception. And when people talk about like retaining the young core and like we should have stuck with him, I think Caruso is the exception to that because it's very reasonable that they could have kept them. Um, when it comes to like D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson, those guys, we don't need to act like LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't like to this day worth giving those guys up because the Lakers did win a championship. And I do think the Pelicans um, and Timberwolves are a lot of fun, but I'm not like entirely confident that if the Lakers kept their guys together. Um, And this is even including like, Lonzo D'Angelo we're talking that deep like LeBron doesn't come the the Lakers don't clear the cap space for that if we're talking like a core of Lonzo D'Angelo Ingram Randall Zubats Clarkson Nance all really really good NBA players I don't think they're much better than the Timberwolves team that beat the Grizzlies on Sunday uh, which was a really fun game. Anthony Edwards is uh man. I, I'm not ready to say he's probably better than any of the players that the Lakers drafted during their like golden era of, of drafting. But it just goes to show that like the Memphis Grizzlies are the poster boys for building through the draft. And that is best case scenario. I don't think the Lakers would have gotten there. Like for me to say that they're just, they just be better than the Timberwolves. I think goes to show how hard it is to build through the draft and the Grizzlies. Like I said, my hats off to them. They're doing a really good job. They did not miss in the draft, but they also got a absolute stud in the draft in John Morant, who Honestly, should have taken that most improved player uh, nomination as an insult because he was like a top, maybe not top five MVP candidate, but certainly top oh, yeah. ten MVP candidate. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely top ten. The Lakers, I, it's weird that we relitigate this, and we did it last season as well. Like, I don't know why the fans want to keep bringing we want a title like that's the ultimate goal like it feels like such a simple debate that like you play to win a title and they won a title in like i mean for me personally that might be my favorite lakers title just because of everything that happened like that season however long that season ended up being like 13 months or something like everything that happened during that season that title meant like so much. So like, I don't, I, I, I've seen takes on the timeline. I try to ignore them, but I quote tweeted some of them 
talking about like I would trade these last three years for the ups and downs of the baby Lakers. No, I absolutely would not. We won a title. Like there are, it goes without saying that there are multiple franchises who just haven't done that. Like, I, I don't know if it's all the titles the Lakers have won that kind of almost makes them take it for granted, like the fans, but like we won a title and yeah, if they kept the baby Lakers, like, yeah, you're not wrong. It would be maybe a little bit better than the Timberwolves and they had to win two playing games to get into the, the playoffs themselves. They looked awesome. That was maybe my favorite game of the weekend was that Timberwolves uh, Grizzlies game. That was a, God, that's so much fun. That's I think that's going to be my favorite series because both those teams are like all offense, no defense, and just flying around. And there's so many fun players in that. I I love seeing D'Lo like in the role he is now because he honestly, and I don't even mean this as like any kind of reference to the past, but he very much plays as like a leader on the floor now. And there's like a calmness and a a presence kind of with him that wasn't always there. And I don't want that to be like, ha, Byron was right. No, but they, they were wrong. Byron and magic and all those guys were wrong, but um, there is a, a presence and a, in a ability to kind of control the game that he has now that just comes with this being his, I don't know what year it is. Fifth, sixth, seventh year in the league. Like that just comes with experience, but I love seeing him. He hits, he's hit some monster shots in the play in playoffs, whatever, like that series is a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, the baby Lakers were cool. It was a lot of fun because there were no expectations of like winning with that team. So the losses didn't annoy you as much. Um, but not for a second, would I consider trading that for a title? Like, that's ultimately what you play. That's the that's the end goal of each NBA season for each NBA team. And the Lakers did that. So, I mean, like, uh, sure, I would have loved to have watched Larry Nance or um, Alex Caruso or some of those guys play their whole careers with the Lakers, Julius Randle. But, like, I trade – I do every deal they did because it got them a title, even as much as I – disagreed with them in the moment like it culminated in a title and that's what you I, I just can't say that enough that's what you play for like don't take those for granted because there are 16 teams right now that would take it in a heartbeat so um but yeah it it's been such a, a fun weekend even including the playing games probably it's like what five days of games now that it just is a reminder that playoff basketball is just kind of an entirely different game than, than regular season basketball. Yeah. I have had so much fun watching these games uh, and the playing game specifically, I think just goes to show that single game elimination format in the NBA works. They'll never do it for like the actual postseason, but we've heard Adam Silver talk a whole bunch about, the NBA wanting to implement the midseason tournament. If it's a single elimination tournament, give it to me now. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I'd never have understood the like the, the arguments against it. Um, because it's it's a lot of fun. And 
it's fun. To, it'll be fun to see how teams approach it because like to some teams, it'll be a high priority to others. They won't care and maybe guys will rest. Uh, I, but yeah, no, the single elimination format is going to be dope and I am all in support of an in-season tournament. Beyond that, um, I mean, that, I don't think it would be implemented next season. Seems like it's still a few seasons away, but um, the as much fun as I'm having, I do want to go back to the Lakers just for a little bit because it is frustrating to see the way a lot of these rosters are constructed and what their payrolls look like for their role players. And like you said, it, it's just a lot of teams with two main guys, some of which, or some teams that are lucky enough to have their main guys that are still on rookie contracts or at least really, really good contracts. Um, we mentioned Anthony Edwards, 36 points uh, against the Grizzlies played 40 minutes and um, is in his second year in the, in the league, which is insane. Uh, and then that, that Timberwolves game, you mentioned D'Angelo Russell only scored 10 points um, had nine assists, but they were able to win because they just had like crazy good contributions from their bench. Malik Beasley had 23 points. And I just, I think the most disheartening thing for me is not the fact that the Lakers disassembled a championship team and a championship identity, which I think the latter of which is more important to me um, than the actual pieces. But beyond that, I was having a conversation um, yesterday about just how much better the Western Conference is getting. And even if the Lakers are able to flip Russell Westbrook for positive assets this offseason, like let's just say a best case scenario is that Brogdon buddy trade package that's been floated around for the last few months you're having a, a core of Brogdon, Buddy, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kendrick you Nunn, even, You don't Austin even know Reeves. the other guy in the, in the starting lineup yet. Yeah, it's uh, – and don't get me wrong. Those guys with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I, I think that's a good team. Look at the rest of the Western Conference right now and, and the way teams are playing, how young they are, the, the type – the style of basketball they're playing. It's just, it's heartbreaking because you have a championship window as, as long as LeBron James or Anthony and Anthony Davis are on your team, but they're not enough. Like you also need to hit on every, you know, internal free agent, undrafted rookie, all of those things matter. And the Lakers treated them like they didn't. And that sucks. So... I almost wonder, like, they did hit on all those moves that first season with LeBron and AD. And I almost wonder if they kind of took it for granted or something, how hard that was or how, I don't want to say how lucky they got, but, like, it's not normal to do that. And they have taken just giant missteps since. Um but yeah, it's I couldn't help watching that Timberwolves Grizzlies game, 
thinking exactly what you said that like everybody hitting big shots in that game are in like their third or fourth season. If that you mentioned uh, Ant is in his second season. So like these teams are only getting better and they're already better than the Lakers. There's a huge gap. The Lakers have to make up. And as you said, it requires them hitting a lot of home runs this off season when they have, they like, I don't even know what a good baseball analogy for what they did this last off season was like, they got demoted from the MLB to the single A. Like it was horrendous how badly they missed. And now they need to turn around and hit just a bunch of homers to, to close that gap. And I don't even know, like, it's hard to see. I was trying to think of like a realistic scenario that plays out that gets the Lakers back into that title conference. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where they were. They were best team in the Western conference. Good. Two seasons ago. And the following season when they were healthy, look like the first or second best team in the Western conference. Yeah. And it's wild to think that like in the span of, if you look from like the midway point of last season in the span of a year, 13, 14 months, I don't know the exact timeline. They went from the best team in the Western conference to they finish up the 11th seed, I think in the West. So like they've taken such huge steps back that, it's hard to like realistically envision uh, an off season at this point where like they can make up all that ground. There's going to have to be a lot of, a lot of wins, uh, especially on the margins that um, I mean, there've been moments when the Lakers have done that, especially with the scouting department with Caruso and Reeves and guys like that. But like, they don't have draft picks this year. And unless they're going to pony up money for a second round pick, they're not going to have draft picks this year. Um, So I should probably mention Talon in those kind of fringe wins as well. But like any scenario you see the Lakers making up that gap requires them to nail the Westbrook trade, which is going to be hard on its own. And then probably using those picks as some type of trade ballast, maybe with THT, maybe, maybe with Kendrick Nunn. Like, I don't know the exact scenarios, but like THT isn't necessarily a positive asset because you have him for one more year and then he hits unrestricted free agency. So like, I don't, it's going to be, it's going to be really tricky, but um, it goes to show just how, how bad they messed this up. And like realistically with, I think probably every other team, this front office is like cleaned house. And the fact that this front office is going to get another chance is, I mean, it's nepotism, but like it's, it's wild, but I don't even know if I can like lean on the positive that like, well, they built a title contender once because the more sample size we're getting, the more that seems like the exception than the rule with this group. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about hitting on the fringes and them having to do it in an off season. 
the year the Lakers won a championship, all of their role players and, and you know, the talent outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, for the most part, was in the works years prior to. Yeah. Specifically with Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, like the key guys of that team. Uh, I'd throw Rondo and um, JaVale was year one LeBron. Um, But my point is, is like that didn't all happen in an offseason. That was years and years of saying like, okay, how do these guys fit next to LeBron James? Which guys don't bring those guys back, you know, fix everything else. And I think the correction from LeBron year one to LeBron year two is the room for optimism. Like, them being able to identify a problem and saying like, okay, that didn't work. Let's pivot into something that we know works, which was LeBron James and a bunch of shooters. And it was great where the um, pessimism, I guess seeps in is pretty much everything they've done since (laughs) then. And um, you know, that, that doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Um, I don't know why they, I mean, there's lots of reasons why they, they went away from it. Um, I think money was a big issue. Uh, but the other issue was, I guess, just like an overreaction from all parties involved to the 2020-21 season. Um, I think we can say pretty comfortably that that season in particular was a year where you just chalk it up to injuries. And I think the front office and probably LeBron James camp thought that it was more than that. And I just strongly disagree. So um, I would say kind of to that point, you're right that it was years in the making. I mean, do you get that sense at all with guys like Malik Austin Reeves, THT, they know they know where he succeeds and who he yeah. doesn't succeed next to. I mean, even like Winion and Stanley, I don't think would be major role players on a, a contending team, but they yeah. both, I mean, you got good looks. I'm, I mean, do you get that sense with those guys at least? I think Austin is definitely somebody who is going to work with LeBron James long-term. Um, so I feel comfort in that. And I, I also think Stanley on a good team, and I'll throw Melo in there too. I think Stanley and Melo on a good LeBron James team play roles for sure. Like I think Stanley will probably be a reserve small ball four or five uh, next year. And I think he could thrive in that role. Same with Melo. Like you play Melo, 10 to 15 minutes per game in a lineup with size and, and defense. I think you can hide him and get him the looks that he was knocking down early in the season and wasn't knocking down late in the season because his, his legs just got too heavy for all of the work he was doing on offense. And so I, 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 I get what you're saying. And I think, excuse me, there have been some seeds planted this season but not in the way that it was in the 2020 season. And that just boils down to how the cap works. Like the Lakers cannot bring Malik Monk back on a team friendly deal because the friendliest deal they can give him 
under their current cap situation with Russell Westbrook still on the books or a contract similar to Russell Westbrook's is, you know, a, God, what is it? A 15, 25% increase from the veterans minimum contract. Uh, that They'll they- have the, uh, the taxpayer mid-level, but regardless, like if he comes back, he's doing a favorite of the Lakers, a big one probably. And it's, you know, we've seen it before, like the whole, under the table agreement that you know you sign two veterans minimum contracts will give you a bigger contract down the line we see it throughout the nba all the time i just don't know if malik monk's in a position to take that like he's made it very clear that he feels wanted by the lakers and that was a big deal for him but he's coming off a career year where he showed that he can work alongside superstar players and at worst, be like a really effective spark plug off the bench. I saw somebody on Saturday um, say that Malik Beasley is just essentially Malik Monk on a good team. And I think I agree with that. And so if you're Malik Monk and you really haven't had that payday yet, I think you strongly consider other options before going back to the Lakers and saying like, I'm going to trust that this is going to work a second time and that you'll put talent around me uh, and put me in positions to succeed the same way I did under a different coach. Like that's the other uncertain thing. If you're a, a veterans minimum player from this year's team, like Avery Bradley, there was, there was that report that came out that Avery Bradley is another player that the Lakers are considering bringing back, which given the the backup guard market this summer and, and what it projects to look like, maybe not be the worst idea. Um, but if you're Avery Bradley, I don't know if another coach is going to love you like Frank Vogel did. <laughs> and I no, say that they're not regardless. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but those are things you have to consider as a free agent, as an internal free agent with the Lakers is I had success last year but it wasn't a very good team and it was a different coach. Am I going to have those same opportunities the following season? And I guess the good news is the only players that are really good enough to be in that position on this, this off season with the Lakers is Malik Monk. I think like maybe you can throw Melo in there, but Mel is a veterans minimum player regardless. Um, Avery Bradley, same thing. Austin Reeves is on the hook for another year. Thank God after that. <laughs> He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, so that sucks. And then same thing with Talon. Talon will be an unrestricted free agent uh, in, in 2023. So the Lakers have a good foundation for next season. Um, at least in – or oh, God, I shouldn't even say foundation. They have enough to make something happen this offseason. And they have enough small pieces in your Stanley Johnsons, your Austin Reeves, and, you know, hopefully a second round or, I mean, Austin Reeves is undrafted, another undrafted gem. Then, yes, you have a good foundation for a solid bench unit. It just goes back to you know, how much all of that matters when compared to 
teams in the Western Conference, uh, owners in the Western Conference that value role players and are willing to pay to keep those contending cores together, um, it, which is what the Lakers should have been doing. And they didn't. Yeah. I think the difference as well is that that 2019-20 team, like the pieces that they were adding to, like KCP started and like Alex Caruso started in the biggest game of the season. And like Kuzma, I don't know how many games he started that season, but like effectively was like a sixth man off the bench. So like you were adding uh, to a really good core that was capable of playing starters minutes and like, Malik can do that. Um, Reeves can do that. THT maybe, uh, but you see how quickly like it takes a dip down. I would say with Malik, um, it everything he said makes it seem like he values kind of being wanted as much as anything. And he spoke a lot about that at the exit interview and through the season as a whole that he really, really appreciated that the Lakers were the one team this summer that was willing to not just willing, like wanted him from day one. And I think I I would be surprised if he's not a Laker next season. And I say that knowing all of the financial restrictions the team has and offering him uh, a competitive contract. They, They simply can't. If another team, offers him market what his market value is the Lakers can't match that um but I, I think he would be back I didn't include Mello because if you saw his exit interview comments they did not sound like a guy that was coming back he was talking about like this was a chapter that I could say I completed and the, then he was talking about the season he's like yeah I got through it we got through it I was like all right well you're going somewhere else next season like I don't think you're coming back but um yeah, I, I, I don't think the, the two kind of cores are, are comparable too much. But, I mean, there is something the Lakers can build on. It's going to be ironic that there's going to be more people probably come back from this Lakers team than last year's Lakers team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. It's also going to be interesting, like, if you trade for Brogdon and Buddy, you have none, you have Austin Reeves. Where does Malik even fit into that? And especially if you can't find a suitor for THT, are you going to roll into the season with six, seven guards, all that can really play minutes? So there's a lot of juggling that's going to have to take place. I think pretty much everything is going to like depend on what the Lakers do with Russ. Because if you, if it is the Brogdon buddy trade, then, you have some questions about what goes on with Malik or, or things like that. If it's a Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre trade, then yeah. it's very clear that there's a spot for Malik. So I think everything's going to trickle down from that rush trade, but they have to nail that rush trade. And do you have a lot of confidence in this front office right now? Not particularly. Um, I, I think the only reason I'm, semi-confident they're going to get something of value for us and it's not going to be perfect value like you talked about the proposed Gordon Hayward trade 
Gordon Hayward, when he's healthy, is a good basketball player. Like flat out, yeah, would be. Oh God, let me let me think about this take before I spew it out there. I while okay. you're thinking, like I watched him, obviously the year I covered mm-hmm. the Hornets, and no, he was there. He was a borderline All Star for the first half of the season until he got hurt. Um, but it's almost like you can't you. You just have to bake in that he's going to miss like 30 games at this point because it's something all the time. So, but yeah, when he's healthy, he's borderline all-star. Now fire off the take. Yeah, I'm ready. I've, I've done the math. Um, Gordon Hayward would be the best player LeBron James and Anthony Davis have played with on the Lakers. Like outside of each other, of course. I'm not saying Gordon Hayward's better than Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That's a take. But yeah, I don't even think that's debatable. Like, I guess, um, I mean, the only players that may become closer Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell. And in that case, it's like, yeah, Gordon Hayward's better than those guys. It, it just comes down to health, and it was a similar thing to. Yeah, what I was talking about at the trade deadline, I wrote a piece about the packages the Lakers may accept for a Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn package. You're going to get like imperfect pieces for imperfect players. I think I suggested like Taylor Horton Tucker for TJ Warren at the trade deadline. If you're looking for a solution to the wing, but an imperfect one, because you don't have assets to offer and Taylor maybe like a neutral asset at, at this point uh, in his career after the season he had. So it's very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. I am excited for the off season, but we're still a ways away from that because there is a ton of playoff basketball to be played before we move on to talking about anything else. I want to ask you what your favorite non play in game from the games that have been played so far are. Um, I would still probably say that Timberwolves Grizzlies game, but the Nets Celtics game on Sunday was Fire. wild. Yeah, the level of <laughs> shot making in that game was insane. Kyrie is like, I have a hard time uh, separating the artist and the art, but uh, he is an absolutely yeah he he is an absolutely <laughs> otherworldly. Uh, player and it just makes it frustrating he just didn't want to play half the season but yeah he he was absolutely incredible and I I mean you can't hate a guy who's flipping off Boston fans either yeah I don't I don't think it is close when it comes to what the best game uh, of the first round so far was I think it's pretty easily net Celtics I was not certain that Jason Tatum got that shot up in time what but when when I was watching it, I was like, God damn it, man. Because every, I tweeted this out, but every special moment, like Kodak moment that Jason Tatum has in a Celtics uniform is a knock for my agenda. Uh, <laughs> and somebody replied that picture of him in a Kobe Bryant jersey underneath. And I was like, that's exactly what I needed. That is a pick me up I needed. It's not going to happen. I mean, that was clear. Yeah, but... <laughs> Have faith. Speaking into existence. LeVar did it. We can do it. 
beyond that, yeah, I thought the Bulls put up a pretty good fight against the Bucks. If Lonzo was healthy, I think that in series would be a little more interesting. Um, How much does it like if? <laughs> It physically hurts me watching Alex Caruso play on another team. Like, I still can't get over that. Watching him do all the Alex Caruso things for somebody else. It's like a, it's like watching your ex-girlfriend be happy with someone else. Like, it is, it is painful watching Caruso do this when we, we he should have stayed. Like, I don't want to relitigate all that, but, like, God, it is so hard to watch Caruso be Caruso right now. I don't think Alex Caruso will make an all defensive team this year, but he absolutely had he played more games, he would have been on it. And he'll, make it might, he'll make multiple his career. And that's what I was going to say. Like, it might have been the first team this year if he was healthy uh, and the Bulls maintained their status as like a top three team in the Eastern Conference. Like, He's that good defensively. He's that big of a game changer defensively. And all we talked about with the Lakers this season was if just one person could play defense on the perimeter, <laughs> we'd be a better team by a lot. And the Bulls have one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA because Lakers are uh, cheap. So It hurts. It hurts so much. She, uh, he does, and then... <laughs> Play like it's exactly what you need to decide LeBron and AD. Move on before I get more. Yeah, started. we're gonna take a quick break, uh, <laughs> and then we will talk about other things that don't make us sad. While the playoffs are going on, uh, the only thing I re- that is really relevant to the Lakers right now that's still going on is winning time. Um, I have admittedly not been super paying attention to it i have it on in the background uh when i'm working and there are a few moments that i'll pop my head up because i'll either hear something or um on sunday's episode when you're listening to this larry bird caught my eye uh pretty (laughs) immediately um i'm confused because i think bo burnham was originally reported to be playing larry bird and unless the prosthetics were just crazy in that episode, that is that is not Bo Burnham. <laughs> it is not Bo Burnham, and I didn't know that, and that would have been a very... Uh, Different wild... Larry Bird. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a, a very interesting depiction of Larry Bird. It, obviously, they uh, they turn up, turn everything up to 10 in this series with, like, the how characters are portrayed, but that was a hysterical portrayal of Larry Bird in this episode. I dislike the um, discourse around the way characters are being portrayed in the show because it's not a documentary. Okay. Yeah. It's it, no, nobody ever claimed that it was beat by beat historically accurate. This isn't a, reenactment you're not going to like a civil war reenactment <laughs> um it, it's meant to be entertaining and i do want to credit like well with all that being said this is also just like an incredibly well-sourced book to where if the showrunners wanted to take creative liberties with the characters and jeff perlman signed off on it I feel very comfortable that 
I think Jeff would probably step in if he thought they were going a little too far. And at no point do I think they have gone too far with the Like, there hasn't been a scene in the show where I haven't said to myself, like, I could see that. It probably didn't happen that way, but I'm sure it wasn't that far off. And I'm talking about, like, Jerry West, Chick Hearn, Magic Johnson especially. I am not even a little bit surprised that Magic Johnson is, you know, quote unquote, not watching this show (laughs) because uh, if I had like a wife and kids and I was being portrayed like that on TV. Yeah, I probably wouldn't watch it around them either. Like I'd watch it independently and be like, man, this is better than watching my highlight tapes. And my highlight tapes are really, really good. It's like a different type of highlight tape for Magic Johnson. How hysterical is it that he's releasing a documentary right now? Too? <laughs> he's like, oh, crap. They're going to really put some stuff out there. I got to get the truth out real quick or my side of the truth. It's absolutely hysterical. Jerry West's like character kills me. And he was incredible in this episode. Them going back to Boston and him sitting in the the limo as they're like driving through town and talking about Paul Revere should have slept in and like stuff (laughs) like that was like absolutely incredible. He, I, there was so much like discourse around his character in the first episode and like, yeah, probably didn't throw trophies through the window, but like that we've discussed that ad nauseum. So like uh, his character, I find, hysterical i don't even think that most of the things he said that his character said in this episode jerry west probably said them about boston like is it wasn't even like i i heard all that and i'm like you know this might be direct quotes from jerry west in this one because that man hated boston and like uh one of the things there's like this was a really odd episode in terms of what they chose to take creative liberties on, I'll talk about it in a second, but I thought they really nailed the Boston Lakers rivalry and just how heated it was and whatnot. Um, Because yeah, it was, that was like the peak of it in the eighties. And that was kind of the, the first, uh, obviously the first meeting between magic and Larry. So um, it was, it was good in that regard. Um, it makes me excited to see what they do in future seasons, but like my biggest complaint. And for those of you, uh, listening, you can go on the site and our explainer is up as you listen to this, most likely it'll be up Monday morning. Um, for, I don't really understand why they are, they make the Lakers look really bad in this episode. And I don't know why, because like in reality, like in the episode, they portray the team losing constantly. And like Paul Westhead's job is almost on the line. And like Pat Riley has to have like this, like come to Jesus moment where he like throws him in the shower and turns on cold water and like wake up type of moment. And they're like Elgin Baylor's like sitting there waiting. None of that happened, like not even remotely close. And like, it's not like the story that they had in truth was like not compelling. Like Paul Westhead came in 
And this team just dominated the league, just running over people. And like, they very easily could have chosen to do that or like chosen to portray it like that. And it makes, it makes Jack McKinney and Paul Westhead look more like visionaries for what this offense was, which is the truth. But they like, they make the Lakers look bad. They make them lose games that they didn't actually lose in real life. They're just like, they created an entirely different schedule than the one the Lakers had. And like, it's weird that I understand taking creative liberties with like how a person was. Yeah. I don't understand it when I can easily look at the schedule and be like, no, they didn't lose to the Pacers. No, they, they beat the Pistons. And like uh, the Celtics game did come down to the wire, but it wasn't like a Michael Cooper layup that won it. It was a couple free throws. So like, I don't know, this episode was really weird in the way it took creative liberties, but I mean, if that that's my biggest complaint about the show right now, then I think I, I love this show and uh, I'm really excited that they got picked up for a second season. But this one was really I, I just don't understand why they're portraying the Lakers as like this plucky underdog, because like you're going to have to turn this around real quick because they win the title. Like spoiler alert, they win the title. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get them to turn around and suddenly be like the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I wonder if they knew that um, some man from Indiana was going to be like uh, dissecting every episode if they <laughs> if they would have taken those creative liberties with well, uh, the results. So like with the other stuff, like yeah, like I don't know how many people were realistically going to look up Mike McKinney's bike rick, but like it's really easy to look up the schedule for an NBA season and see the results. So. And like there's there's still people that are very much alive that like watch that team. That's the other thing that's yeah. weird about that for me is like the behind the scenes stuff and the personality stuff, like sure, nobody knows exactly what happened. And anybody that does, um, I'm sure Jeff Perlman spoke to you. Um I tried to. But as as far as like how they played, who they played, who their rivals were, who the key players were. I mean, there's tape. TV was yeah. around. Um, so that is that is definitely weird. I was not around then, uh, so I definitely would have to go back. That is interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, so I, I go into, like, there's more detail on the explainer about, like I said, they completely create, like, a new schedule for the Lakers. Um, but... Again, if that's my biggest complaint, they're probably doing pretty well. I still love this show. And, uh, like, yeah, I'm really excited it's going to get a second season. I'm really excited to see, like, earnestly, I'm, I'm not even, I'm, I'm only one episode ahead. So I haven't even watched the next episode yet. So uh, I'm excited to see um, what this, like, how they finish it. Because, like, in the episode, they're at Christmas there's only three episodes left, I think, and they have to win a title by the end of the season. I presumably, I assume this first season covers their whole first season. So, like, there's a there's a lot of stuff that's going to have to happen these last three episodes. It's going to be like um, they're going to go undefeated to end the season or something, and uh, <laughs> that, they're going to have to do something like that. It's going to be wild. Um. 
I'll watch. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll watch until the uh, season finale. But uh, Barry's also coming back uh, on HBO, and once that comes back, that is. Um, I mean, it releases weekly, but that is what my Sundays will be devoted to from there on out. <laughs> I love Barry so much. Um, that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, God, I wish we had Lakers basketball to talk about. Honestly, I think the the thing that we will be talking about regarding the Lakers soon, I guess, is the coaching search. But I imagine that a lot of the guys they have their eye on will not be out of the postseason for another week or so, or if not later. So this is a coaching search that could very well drag on into early June, which I'm not super jazzed about. They said they want to coach by the draft, which is like the 22nd, I think. So it's going to be a while. It's going to be a really long time. And just please not Doc Rivers, please. (laughs) Yeah, that's part of the reason uh, we were assigned teams for the the podcast network teams that we're supposed to keep close tabs on and minus the Philadelphia 76ers. And I picked them because I just want to watch Doc Rivers one, but two, I'm also rooting for them to go all the way. So he signs a lifetime extension. Yes. Lakers fans should hundred percent be rooting for the Sixers to go really far because that means Doc Rivers first round. (laughs) Yeah. Because that means Doc Rivers is staying and yeah, that would be outside of, Oh, Mark Jackson, who I, I don't think is actually a candidate. Uh, that would be worst case scenario. So, yeah, please, please, Philly, keep winning. Sixers Lifelong Sixers sweep. fan here. Yeah. A four, I think a four-game sweep. At that point, the Raptors would have to consider just eating Nick Nurse's contract and, and firing him, in my opinion, <laughs> my unbiased Yeah, opinion. this is – yeah, it's I, – I didn't even think about that part. Yeah, you 100% want them to sweep because – then Nick Nurse is available for that interview a lot quicker. Just wave them. Same thing with like the Bulls and their core. Like, blow it up already. Twenty twenty three is really what you want to keep your eye on. Jokic is going to be a free agent. Just imagine like Jokic, Zach Levine, and Patrick Williams. That's what you really want. Bulls trade. Caruso, DeRozan, and Lonzo for Russ's expiring and get it over with in the offseason. To me, as somebody that is a professional basketball writer and I know ball, that's what they have to do. (laughs) Yeah, you you very much know ball. Thank you. Thank you. I agree. Uh, That's it for this week's show. We'll catch you next week.